The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Right before Corona, literally a few days before March 2020, I was invited to go to Rostov on the Dan River in Russia. For the outside of the Rashab on Bayes Nissen, it was a hundredth year, 1920, 2020, Tofresh Pei, Tofshin Pei. I needed to renew my passport. The problem is the flight was getting very close and I needed the express passport service. So we have in Muncie, somebody known as the passport lady. And I went for a visit one night, I called up, I need a passport express. Of course, like every Jew, I need it tonight. I had a few days, a week, whatever it was, no problem. Did the signatures, did whatever you have to do to make a passport, the pictures. The woman turns to me and says, I owe you a profound debt of gratitude. I said, why? She says, I live here in Muncie with my husband. We have a beautiful family. One boy, Shmuley, began struggling with Yiddishkeit very, very heavily. It was extremely difficult for us. Through unconventional means, he found another wonderful Jewish girl who grew up in Lakewood by the name of Rachel. And they befriended each other. And they developed this relationship. They really liked each other. Whatever I tried, my husband tried, wasn't successful. It seemed like he has left Yiddishkeit. They decided to get married. And they wanted a beautiful, big, extravagant Jewish wedding. Not a very wealthy family. And I thought to myself, this is going to be a wedding that is not going to adhere to the standards of most of our weddings in terms of dress, in terms of music, in terms of ambiance, in terms of people, in terms of environment. And I spoke to a few people, and my husband spoke to a few, and they all said the same thing. Why throw out $30,000 for a wedding that you don't approve of? For a wedding that you're embarrassed of. Your husband is a graduate of the Mir in Brooklyn. And a graduate of Ne Yisrael in Toronto. And a Talmud Chachem. And a Yidu goes through Shas. As I was in the house, he was finishing Psachim and Kedushin together for the Siyam and Erev Pesach. Five, six blad a day. A big Talmud Chachem. It's going to be a busha for you. It's going to be a busha for him, for you, for your family. Let them make a small wedding. You contribute the herring. Cost you six ninety nine in Evergreen in Muncie. You want a 1099 or a 10.99? Better than, they want sponge cake, sponge cake, seltzer, you'll send some seltzer. They can invite their friends and do their disco music. $30,000 I have to spend. And this woman tells me, my husband and I looked at each other and say, no, 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 no. We, we, we made a decision the first day. We're going to be close to Shmoli. And if this is the wedding he wants, 
this is the wedding we're going to pay for with the money that we're going to have to find, like many weddings. And we're going to be there, and we're going to dance, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to embrace these kids. And we're going to enjoy the wedding, let the comments be whatever they are. And where did they want the wedding? In Lakewood. <laughs> not in Mount Clare, <laughs> not in the Philippines, not in the Chabad House of San Francisco, but in Lakewood, in one of the big halls of Lakewood. <laughs> and she paid $30,000 for the wedding. And it was a wedding, and people had what to say. And the music was not exactly It wasn't even <laughs> But they got married It was a kosher wedding And they danced and they enjoyed And they're now on the way home it's 1 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 in the morning, driving from Lakewood to Muncie. You ever do that drive after a wedding? Especially when you're the mother of the chassan, and you're driving yourself, and it's an hour and 45 minutes, and it never ends, and it's a boring drive, forgive me. We love Lakewood, we love Muncie, but it's a long drive, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're exhausted. And she turns to her husband and says, I have to say, I feel guilty. So many people made this comment that it was the wrong thing. It was giving a heksher with $30,000. For felt I feel bad. Not just a waste of money, you know. Was it the right decision? Did we give a heksher for such a wedding? And she's like, I'm just, I should be happy. My son got married tonight. But I'm not. I'm feeling down. So her husband is a good husband. Listens. You heard what I just said? Or you weren't listening? <laughs> he says, you know, how, how, can, how can I be here for you? She says, I need a little therapy. He says, well, where are we going to get a therapist 2 o'clock in the morning? Who are we going to call? And she said, Rabbi YY. <clears throat> and she went to YouTube <laughs> in the car or whatever website she went to. And she typed in Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson. And there I was driving with them from Lakewood to Muncie, 2.30 now in the morning. And she said, Rabbi Y.Y., I kid you not, as we put it on, you speak to the crowd and you say, I want to share a story with you. And this is the story I shared that that family heard that night driving back from their son's wedding. And the story I said... I heard from the person himself. I was standing at a funeral, and there was an elderly Jew, almost 90 years old. His name was Reb David Edelman. He lived in Springfield, Massachusetts. Today he passed away already. And as we're waiting for the off, for the for the coffin for the Aaron, I said, Reb David, that's Maramaisa. Tell me a story. We're standing right there on the street waiting for the Aaron. And he says. I'll tell you a story that I experienced. It was 1943. He says, me, David Eilman, and my chaver, whose name was Hirschel Fogelman, who was living at the time in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yehudetz, Rabbi Yehudetz V. Fogelman. 
We were standing at the break in the afternoon. They were both Talmidim in the Toim Chitmimim Lubavitch and the Lubavitch Yeshiva on 770 Eastern Parkway. Three years after the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe Ratz came to America. And it was a little Yeshiva, 770 Eastern Parkway, Toim Chitmimim. It was break, I don't know, 2 o'clock, 2.30. We were standing outside, if you know, the building a little bit by the elevator. Later, the Rebbe would stand there and give dollars. And we're standing and having a cigarette. You know, it's 1943. And we were schmoozing what Bachram Shmoo is about, two o'clock in the afternoon, where you have a little break and you're smoking a cigarette. The door opens up, and who comes out? A Jew who was then known as the Ramash. Ramash is an acronym of Reb Menachem Schneerson, who later became the Lubavitcher Rebbe. At that time, he was known as the Ramash, the son-in-law of his father-in-law, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak and the Rebbe Rayatz, the sixth Lubavitch Rebbe, the previous Lubavitch Rebbe. He comes out, he was called, they called Chassan of the Bein the Edim, the son-in-law of the Rebbe. So, you know, we, uh, we greeted him cordially, and he looks at me and at my friend, and he says, in Yiddish, I'll translate, in Wild Heden, a frischen Wort von Rebbe. Do you want to hear a fresh Wort, a fresh insight from the Rebbe? Referring to his father-in-law, the Rebbe Dayatz. As we say, you know, fresh out of the oven. And they say, Havada, of course. And the Ramash, who would later become the Lubavitcher Rebbe, says, I'll share it with you. He says, you know, into 770 come in all types of Jews. 1943. Once in a while, they come here Jews who used to be religious on the other side of the ocean. They came to America. They threw the tefillin into the Atlantic. The kids went to public schools. There was no infrastructure of education. And they lost their touch. No Shabbos, no Kashrus, no Chinuch no Torah, no Yerushamayim. No Kashrus anymore. No Tarah Samashpach. They come in once in a while for, you know, you come to Akadish, Ayurtzai. They come in. Ich I have a custom. Ich bin varem to say. I embrace them warmly. I greet them. I welcome them. I connect to them, and I encourage them. There are older Chabad Lubavitch Chsidim who tell me, this is a chutzpah. This is a disgrace. You're giving a heksher to their Chilu Shabbos. The Lubavitch Rebbe's son-in-law is nice to them. What does that mean? They're wonderful Jews. They could drive on Shabbos. They don't have to eat kosher. They could keep the stores open on Shabbos. You're giving a heksher. What should I do? I said, throw them out. Be rude. Be harsh. Don't be nice. Tell them the truth. The Rebbe says to them, by me is I thought differently, but I didn't know. Maybe I'm wrong. So today I went up to the Rebbe, my father-in-law, some shver. He said some shver to my father-in-law, and I told him the question. I said, I'm Makar of these Jews, older chsidim told me, I'm wrong. And I'm asking the Rebbe, what's the right thing to do? And the Ramash, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, says, this is what the Rebbe told me. And he said it in Yiddish, and Rebbe David Edelman told it over to me, heard it, hearing it directly from the Rebbe in 43, Tovshengim. He said, my father-in-law told me, when parents have a child... The Rebbeinu Shalolah made that their love to this child is absolute and infinite. 
You would think there's no more room in the heart for love. But when they have a second child, there is room for love again, which is infinite. You would think at this point, it's filled to the top. They have another child, and the heart expands yet infinitely again with overflowing love to the child. And with each child, the heart opens up and becomes a conduit for more and more infinite, endless love. And then sometimes a child is born, and the child may be suffering an illness. The child may be experiencing disability. The child may have a physical or neurological, physiological condition with serious limits. And the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, looks up at his son-in-law. You ever saw pictures of the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rayats? He looks up at his son-in-law. And Rebbe David says, I'm going to say this in the words in Yiddish. He says, For this child, they have something special of a love. Because the pain, because the difficulties of this child, there's so much empathy, there's so much compassion. They don't love this child less. If it, you can even love a child more, this is the child they love even more. I, the first children, they love infinitely. MS. But this child they love even more infinitely. And he says, the Rebbe looked at me and he said, Der Eberster hat lieb Eid an eigenem kind. Hashem loves every Jew infinitely like you love your child. There's a Jew who's missing in tefillin. Felt the chepes in the hand. There's an infection. There's a spiritual, there's a spiritual challenge in his arm. Ayid was getting felt in the hand. He said, a Jew who doesn't learn Torah, a Jew who doesn't daven, a Jew who doesn't have other mitzvahs. He went through different limbs of the body. There's a challenge. The soul is hurting. Because a Jew is one with Hashem. The soul is hurting in a deep place. There's a spiritual or emotional wound and trauma that this child, this Jew is experiencing. He says, For for such a Jew, he has a unique love. And the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, looks up at his son-in-law, the future Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he says, Do fear You behave like Hashem. Love every Jew. Love every Jew. <clears throat> With every fiber of your being. But when you see a Jew struggling, you love him or her even more. They're driving back from Lakewood, from the Chasana. She's feeling guilty that they spent so much money on this wedding completely. Not reflecting their standards, to put it mildly. And as she puts on this sheer, this is the story she hears. As I'm standing in her home, she says, you gave us back our soul, our life. I felt so proud with my decision. I realized 
This was exactly what I needed to hear on the way home from the wedding. It was that ultimate, ultimate validation. And you're here today. I thought I should call him. But you probably get a hundred calls. Thousand calls. You don't need another call. But you're here. And the wedding was just recently. I can't not say thank you. I look at her, I said, I didn't really do anything. I was sound asleep. <laughs> 2.30 in the morning, nobody wakes me up. Besides Kesher Nafshi, okay? And the other Shabbaton. I said, but I'm grateful that I was the conduit. Ono Hashem ki And then I say, wow, which night was this? Which night was this? So she says, oh, it was February 5th. It's right before Corona. February 5th. Like February 5th. Why is that day? I think I had an event that day. I was up. (laughs) I was up 2.30 in the morning. February 5th. Let me look at the calendar. I look at the calendar. (laughs) It was just a few weeks before that. It was Yutshvat. That's the yard site of the Rebbe Rayats. I say, wow, the Chasana was on Yutshvat. You were coming home as I was fabrenging just a few blocks away with the chevre on Forche in the tent, 24 she. We had a huge oilum. And you were driving back and you heard me share this story. In fact, I shared the story in the tent. I shared the story in the tent. And before I shared the story, I said to myself, you know how Jews always say, you said it already last time? Right? That's like the favorite feedback for a speech, right? You said it already. Thank you. Brilliant. You said it already. You said it already. That story, I said it already, right? No? Men, you could say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. So I'm thinking, but sometimes I think, should I say, you never, I said the story. It's the story she heard, Yutzvat, the day of the Chasana. And then she looks at me and she starts crying. I say, why are you crying? She says, let me tell you another part of the story. That I wouldn't have known to connect without what you just told me. And she says, you know, I grew up as a secular Jew. My father's name was Josh Zawatsky. A typical Jew, America, 1933, he was born. In the Today for the Medina, both his parents died very, very young. He was an orphan. He was raised by his uncle and aunt. So they weren't even raising their own child. And they needed to give him some education. So they sent him to some type of basic Jewish school in Brooklyn. And he got a little bit of a Jewish education. And at the age of 11, somebody took him in to the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayatz, for a Yechidus, 1948. My father, Josh, at the time, was, uh, 1948, 1944. My father, Josh, was 11 years old. And the Rebbe Rayatz, looked at him, and he said, I want to give you a blessing. 
This is a difficult country. Aber du wirst haben jüdische Nachas von deinen Kindern, von deinen Eineklach, lichtige jüdische Deures. You're going to produce beautiful generations of proud, inspired Jews. Now, I meet 11-year-olds all the time. I really don't talk about their marriages, their future. It's, it's not the conversation with an 11-year-old, you know? 20-year-old, a 30-year-old. But that's what the Rebbe said. Very soon, like most American Jews of the 1940s, he left Yiddishkeit. He moved to San Diego. San Diego was the quintessential spiritual Jewish desert in the United States of America in the 1940s and 50s. He went into the beauty supply business. He had a successful business. He married a secular Jewish woman, but a Jewish woman. And they had two beautiful little girls. They were given secular names, but they also had two Jewish names, Shendel and Dvira. Life goes on. It's a secular, classic, West Coast, California, Jewish home. The father who still remembers Abyssala, you know, Afin Pripichik, Berenta Fayedru, Oninstubizes, Underabba Mitikleina Kinderlach, Learning Oliver Bays, and that's where it ended. This is Okcha Kinderlach. And one day, the 1970s, a weird rabbi lands in San Diego. A Chabad Shliach lands in San Diego. And he opens a Chabad house. And who does he bump into? Josh Zawatsky. Who are you? Chabad Lubavitch. I was by the Lubavitcher Rebbe in 1944. Come to shul. For your sight, I'll come to shul. Comes for your sight to say Kaddish. He likes the rabbi, likes the kugel, likes the rabbitsons, gefilte fish, soup, ambiance. He likes it. Comes for another yard site, another yard site. Why don't you come shop us? We have a great time here. It's great. I'm not into the religious thing. Come to show if they're into the religious thing. Nobody is into the religious thing. <laughs> Who comes to shul for religion? You know anybody? Yeah, Shimon is doing shul anonymous. Who comes to shul for religion? <laughs> he starts coming to shul. He loves the rabbi. It triggers something in him. He comes home. He has teenage girls, California Jewish secular girls. Shandel, come to Shul. What do I have with the synagogue? It's a great place. He nudges his daughters to come with him to the Chabad synagogue in San Diego. Finally, just to appease their father, who was a nice guy, they came. They heard a class. It touched them. She tells me, I was going every weekend to disco with my friends. And when I was listening to this, I said, this touches me in a deeper place. And I came back the next week and I said, I think I'm going to have to make a choice. What type of life I want to live? A life in the disco or a life with more meaning? And after a few months, I said, I want to go learn more of Yiddishkeit. 
And she and her sister ended up by Rebbe Tzinlea Khan in Netzach, which was then in Muncie. And a few years later, she, the daughter of Josh, married her husband Al-Khanan, who was a Musmach from the Mir, from Ne Yisrael in Toronto, a Rav, a Talmud Chachem, a big Talmud Chachem. And they built a beautiful family. And she said, my father saw this. And he said, the Lubavitcher Rebbe knew this in 1944. I think I'm going to start keeping Shabbos. And he came back to Yiddishkeit as an old man. And as he saw both of his daughters build Jewish families with grandchildren and the yeshivas, and his nachas was swelling until his passing just four years ago. But she says, but there was that one boy, Shmuley, my son, struggling. And I knew in my heart, we have to be close, we have to be connected. And when I felt guilt about the wedding I made, coming home, it was that same person, the Lubavitcher Rebbe de Rayatz, who shared with me, That empowered message that you never, ever detach from a child. You love that child. You're proud of that child. You empathize with that child. You go on the journey with that child. You connect with that child. You feel that child. This is what she tells me that night. As I was trying to get a passport to go to Rostov. where the Rebbe Rayatz became Rebbe after his father's passing in 1920. This is the story the passport lady shared with me today, and I am privileged that Peril Schneider is right here in the crowd with us. The proud mother, the proud mother of Shmuley and his Kala, Rachel, who, <laughs> and as I spoke to her Friday night, I met her, and she said, you remember me? I'm like, give me the hint, give me the hint, I'm a man, give me the hint. She's like, passport lady. I said, Lakewood, wedding, YouTube. It's like, yeah. I said, this, it's two years later. She says, two years later, they come to us almost every Shabbos. And I want you to know something, she said. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Shabbos ended. And I saw that both my son and my daughter-in-law ran to get their phones. And I looked at my husband and I said, they're keeping Shabbos. <laughs> And you know, you helped me. Because when I see Mitzvah Shabbos, you know how the Hever run to get their phones? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm giving such good Shalashudas Torah. But really, Shandal, I should really say, they're keeping Shabbos. <laughs> I think that's how Hashem looks at it. 
Habet Mishamayim Arei. 80 years after Hitler. They're keeping Shabbos. They're keeping Shabbos. They didn't have to. Nobody forced them. They're keeping Shabbos. And as I met Shandel here this Shabbos, she says, one missing piece I never told you. I said, what? She said, why at two in the morning did I decide you're my therapist? I'm like, beats me. I don't know what Kool-Aid you have been drinking. I don't know what Netflix, I mean, why, why flicks you have been watching. I don't know. I don't mix into people's lives. She says, I'll tell you why. Six years ago, my father, Josh, came for a visit from San Diego to Muncie. He says, I'm a busy, she says, I'm a busy mother, a busy lady, raising a family, making passports <laughs> for Jews who have no patience and have to fly. They already missed their flight. It's a busy life. By day, I'm busy. By night, I'm busy. You know, we don't have to explain it, at least not to the Ezra's Noshim. And even not to the Ezra's Anashim. I'm not the, you know, I don't go places. I'm not the sheer person. My father was in Muncie, Josh was in Muncie six years ago. And he comes home one day and he said, did I hear a rabbi in Muncie? <laughs> you have to, <laughs> you have to go here, Rabbi YY. So <laughs> she tells me, Zetvi de Ebrish de Firtavelt. Trust me, this has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I slept through this whole story. I'm just here to share it. Ono Hashem, ki ani avdecha. Every soul has a journey. Every soul is accounted for. Every soul is infinitely priceless. Every soul is a piece of Ein Saif. And every soul is running just to come closer. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.